0: For me, what I'd like to see 30 years from now is a more environmentally just world. Disadvantaged communities face a greater threat to the impacts of climate change, so I'd like to see things be more just.
1: Welcome to Infinite Earth Radio. And Vernice Miller-Travis.
2: Welcome back to Infinite Earth Radio, where we talk with thought leaders and change agents who are transforming the future by building smarter, more sustainable, and more equitable communities. This is your host, Mike Cancox, and joining me is my co-host Vernice Miller-Travis. Today we are continuing our series of interviews with Civic Spark fellows about how the program has impacted their lives and how the projects they have been working on have impacted their communities. Vernice, do you want to introduce our guests?
3: I'd love to. Sergio Avalar is from Los Angeles, California and has experience working in education, local government, and sustainability after graduating from the University of Southern California with a Bachelor of Science degree in Environmental Studies. And Teresa Perez from Whittier, California has recently graduated from California State University at Long Beach where she earned a bachelor's degree in environmental science and policy. Teresa and Sergio are Civic Spark AmeriCorps fellows working on the Climate and Health Initiative, an internal effort to address climate change at the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. Welcome. Thanks for having us.
2: So, Teresa, could you give our audience maybe a two or three sentence description of what the Civic Spark program is all about?
0: The Civic Spark Program is a Governor's Initiative AmeriCorps program, and the program is dedicated to building capacity for local governments to address climate change. And so there's 48 fellows across the state, and we're all working on different projects on a variety of topics, such as transportation, energy efficiency, development or implementation of climate action plans, greenhouse gas inventories and benchmarks, and so on.
2: And are all of the 48 fellows, are they basic? Are you all basically folks who just graduated from college with a bachelor's degree?
0: Most of us, yes, we just graduated, and there are some fellows who just graduated from graduate school, so they have their masters.:
4: Got it.
2: So I'm going to let you each maybe take a turn at this, but can you briefly describe what uh, for our audience, the projects you've been working on?
4: Sure, I can start. I'm with the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. I'm helping the county develop an urban heat island reduction plan, which is, it's a sort of climate mitigation plan, essentially, to address the urban heat island effect. For those who don't know, the urban heat island is a phenomenon in which urban areas are slightly warmer than their surrounding rural areas. Most of that is because of Typical materials used to develop urban areas, mostly roofs and pavements, they're more heat absorbent materials. And so on a really hot day, they can really warm up the surrounding area. And so with this plan, we're looking how we can shape policy in the county to really implement more ways to cool the surrounding county area. We're looking at how we can implement cool roofs some jurisdictions around here, like the city of Los Angeles and the city of Pasadena, they've approved the Cool Roof's ordinances.
2: So, what's a, what's a Cool Roof?
4: So, a Cool Roof is a roof that, a regular roof, does not absorb as much heat. It actually reflects more sunlight. So, that way, the immediate floor below the roof doesn't warm up. And that's really... Those are better for areas where there's a lot more heat. How do you
2: do that? How do you accomplish that? How do you make it a cool roof?
4: Generally, the roof is either a lighter color or some roofs are installed using tar. So by not using tar or by having roofs that can reflect sunlight better, you know, making them white, for example, is a way of making it a cool roof. And there are also many benefits to them, obviously, can reduce temperatures, and that can also lead to energy savings, so that buildings don't have to waste energy in trying to cool down the building. Right. Makes sense. And, uh,
2: Teresa, what are you working on?
0: I'm also with the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health, and I am helping launch the Climate and Health Initiative. Our mission is to create a work culture that encourage and organize climate change work. So our first step is to form an interdepartmental work group consisting of different staff from different divisions and programs within the department. And we'll come together and we're going to establish five concrete goals that the department can accomplish. And those five goals will be pursuant to the department's five-point plan to reduce the health impacts of climate change. And once our goals are set, we'll create action plans and then begin to implement those plans.
2: Give us an example of how you can reduce the public health impacts of climate change, like just one example of what could be done.
0: The county and the Department of Public Health have these cooling centers all over the county in which if a family or residents don't have like air conditioning or they don't have access to somewhere to be cool, they can go to these cooling centers in times of extreme heat and just stay cool for the afternoon or in the peak hours of when it's really hot. So that's one service the county provides and it's really helpful.
2: So I'm fascinated by this topic. This is not a topic that is as widely discussed, I think, as as should be. People talk about storm events and Mm -hmm. being resilient in terms of community infrastructure, et cetera. You mentioned a a health impact, you know, the severe heat that was kind of a crisis kind of situation. Are there other health impacts of climate change that are more long term that are more chronic?
0: Well, along with like, Heat is a big one because we're in L.A. County and it tends to get really hot here. And especially in like downtown where the urban heat island effect is really high, the extreme heat goes a long way. So it has like uh, long term health effects with people who have like asthma or chronic disease and existing health impacts like that. They can go a long way and extreme heat really affects that.
2: Great. Thank you so much.
3: So you both sound thoroughly engaged in the things that you're doing. Tell us about the impact of your work or the impact you hope your work will make.
0: Well, for my project, I really hope that the goals that we set are more, they're not seen as new work, but they're seen as incorporating into the activities that are already existing in the divisions and programs. Climate change is here and the impacts that have already they're already here, will be here for the next 50 years or so. And so it's really important for me to make sure that these programs and divisions see this as not new work, but work that we have to incorporate in what we're already doing. And so that's what I hope to see with the Climate and Health Initiative.
3: Sergio, what about the impact of your work or the impact you hope to, to make?
4: So with the Urban Heat Island Reduction Plan, I'm just really hoping There's more awareness about it and really looking at how we can change the infrastructure in the county to provide a cooler environment, essentially. Some of the other ideas that we are including in the plan include creating more green spaces in Los Angeles. Los Angeles County is very park poor, so we're looking at how we can incorporate more green infrastructure, whether that includes building more parks or creating more access to existing parks. And also, a big component is to try to increase the tree canopy cover. Trees provide many benefits, and one essentially for cooling. So we're looking at ways, especially in, in communities that are tree poor, we're trying to see how we can get the community involved. So really with this plan, we're looking at changing policy as well as trying to get the community involved to really try to implement many of these changes to make them realize that climate change, especially in L.A., can have a major effect on people's health. And so, you know, what action can they take and what can the county also do to address that?
3: So you have the great opportunity, you meaning folks in the city of LA, to work with some organizations that have been around for a long time, like the City Project, Concerned Citizens of South Central, Communities for a Better Environment, who are also working on some of those issues, plus others. The Labor Community Strategy Center, you have a lot of great partners on the ground in LA. Are they collaborating? Is there collaboration between the city and these groups to work on these projects that you've just talked about?
4: Well, for my project, we're still in the planning stages of developing this plan, but you know, a huge component will certainly be reaching out to nonprofits or community based organizations that can help with trying to get more trees in the community or one stakeholder we're really looking at is Climate Resolve, who is very useful in getting the city of LA to pass a cool roofs ordinance. Mm-hmm. And we've come to them a lot as well in trying to get the county to pass a Cool roofs Ordinance. So it hasn't happened yet, but we're actually already looking into key stakeholders in the community that can help us with developing this plan and uh, creating a cooler environment.
3: Another key stakeholder I forgot to mention is Mothers of East Los Angeles, another really great and formidable group that's been around for a really long time. So Tell me about the moment when you decided you wanted to become a Civic Spark fellow.
0: During my senior year in college, especially the last semester I was there, I really grew an interest in local government. I wanted to know or like learn about the connection between the public sector and climate change and sustainability. And so towards the end of the summer in August, my geography professor had forwarded me the Civic Spark website, and they said I might be interested in it. And so I looked at it, and I explored the website, and I thought it was really cool. It was exactly what I was looking for. And so I applied, and yeah, it's been pretty great so far. Sergio?
4: So around this time last year, I was looking at AmeriCorps programs related to the environment and sustainability, and just thinking about my future, you know, potentially applying to grad schools, and how can I have a sort of upper hand in applying to these things, and as I think a lot about my career, too. And luckily, a good friend of mine from undergrad was a fellow last year, and he had mentioned the program to me. And it really piqued my interest because it combined working with local government on sustainability projects, and that's the kind of opportunity I've been searching for since I graduated from USC, so I did my homework on the program, and I really liked it. And I applied, and I was I was also very lucky to be selected to work in. You know, I had the opportunity to choose where I wanted to be placed, and you know, they preferred to have people native to close to the region. And so that that was a huge plus for me.
3: So, is it a highly competitive process? Are there a lot of people applying to be Civic Spark Fellows?
4: There certainly are a lot of people that are applying to it. And as this is the second year the program rolls out, we're getting the word around more. It's also interesting because some fellows are not from the state of California. So, this is because it is an AmeriCorps program, it has a far reach in the United States. And, you know, there are some fellows that are not from the state that, you know, they can certainly apply to the program too and really be immersed in what California is doing for climate change.
2: So what's next? You got another couple months to finish out your fellowships. What are you, each of you expecting to do after you
0: complete your fellowship? I am at the moment, I'm applying to jobs still related to sustainability and climate change. I'm looking in the public sector and with nonprofit organizations as well. I want to pursue a my master's degree. I don't know what program yet, so I still got a little bit of exploring to do, but that's in the that's in the future as well.
2: So your master's degree would be in something like public health or
0: That is one possibility. I'm also looking into maybe some geography programs, and so I'm still exploring my options before I set my eyes on one.
4: That's a good idea. Sergio? I am also in the same boat as Teresa at the moment looking for jobs. I've had some local government experience in the past, so I do want to move on to maybe something in the private sector or nonprofit just to get a better idea of how other sectors sort of address or are trying to address being environmentally friendly and sustainable. Ultimately, to try to get into a grad school program either in administration, public health would also be an option. And, you know, at some point, think about consulting as well. I think a lot of great work can be done through that field. And also education. You know, I really grew an interest in this field when I was in high school and I took AP Environmental Science, and it's stuck with me since, and I think it's a great way to get people to think about this too.
2: So how is the Civic Spark Fellow experience, how do you think it's impacted you and how will it serve you moving forward in your life, either professionally or personally?
0: Well, I've definitely learned a lot in this Civic Spark program and this whole experience I've learned a lot. I've grew professionally, I believe, and I also learned about the public sector more than I would have imagined, which is a good thing. <laughs> but I also learned that every step counts, and I think it was really helpful to have this network of young professionals in the same field as I am, as we share stories and challenges. It really shows that we're all taking one step every day to like address climate change because it is a big issue, and I just thought that was really cool from the Civic Spark program. Sergio?
4: I've been impressed just with the type of work that they want us to do. We're not looked as interns in whichever organization we're with. So we actually get to have a lot of say in a lot of the projects we're working on. We're not just doing clerical or administrative work. It helps with professional development. You also get exposed to a network of sustainability professionals. So it's given me a lot of hope to see a lot of people also working at the same goals and learning from their experiences too. I think that's had the biggest impact. And working in the Department of Public Health, you know, it's really made me think a lot now how public health is affected by climate change and how it can be used in in many other sectors too to really sort of leverage some of the things that we're trying to do. And I think that makes people listen more. You know, most people think of climate change as like saving the polar bears because of global warming. But when you actually tell people, well, you know, extreme heat can really have an effect later through your air quality or if you are sick or a loved one is sick, it could have many effects. So people really tend to listen to that more.
3: So what advice would you give to anyone who's interested in becoming a Civic Spark Fellow?
0: I think this whole experience is what you make of it. So I think it's important to be open to learning and expanding your knowledge about sustainability and climate change and local government. Working in a large organization, I think it's important to really understand and respect how everything works, how to create an appropriate timeline, and how to learn how to get things done in such a large organization such as this one.
3: Sergio, what advice would you offer? to someone who's interested in becoming a fellow?
4: I would, you know, let a potential fellow know that you get a really great opportunity as a a civics work fellow, and that you should really look to capitalize in creating opportunities for yourself. I've had the pleasure of presenting to colleagues that I work with on some things that they never really knew about. For example, I did a lot of research on what cool pavements are and what kind of pavements are available to make them cool. And through that, I was able to present to this committee that kind of convenes once in a while to discuss ideas for the plan. And, you know, they found it really helpful in learning more about cool pavements. So just really trying to find opportunities and also getting in touch with that network. You know, I think it'll open many doors for people afterward.
3: And where can folks go to learn more about the Civic Spark program?
0: They can visit the website civicspark.lgc.org.
3: So our next three questions are what we call the lightning round questions. And so we're going to ask the questions and we want you to answer the first thing that pops into your head as quickly as you can. So the first question is, if you could implement one change or pick one leverage point that would lead to smarter, more sustainable and more equitable communities, what would it be?
0: For me, I think it would be to make environmental science courses mandatory at an elementary to high school level.
4: And I would say more accessible public transit. L.A. has a huge car culture, and I think we need to change that a little bit more. Oh, or maybe a lot more, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: a lot it, yes. <laughs> having, having been in L.A. and recently. <laughs> so what one action could our listeners, the, the average citizen, take to help build a more equitable and sustainable future? what's the one thing I could do tomorrow?
0: Either reduce, reuse, or recycle. It's a pretty common phrase, but it goes a long way. So I think that's one thing everybody can do.
4: And going along the transportation note, I would just say if, if you have to go somewhere close to your house, consider biking or walking there instead. So you don't have to, you know, emit more greenhouse gases using your car.
3: So if you're both successful in the work that you're doing, what will Los Angeles County Health Department's efforts to address climate change look like 30 years from now?
4: I would say cleaner air, for one. That's a big issue here. Greener communities, hopefully more trees and parks, and healthier communities, too. That's a big mission for the department, to have healthy people and healthier communities.
0: For me, what I'd like to see 30 years from now is a more environmentally just world. Disadvantaged communities face a greater threat to the impacts of climate change, so I'd like to see things be more just.
3: Thank you both for your answers and for your time. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having us.
4: It was a pleasure. Thank you for having us.
3: And thank you all for listening. We look forward to you joining us next time on Infinite Earth Radio.